Do you feel stuck? Has your podcast stopped gaining new listeners? Do you wish your community was more engaging? I know that a lack of engagement can make you feel like nobody cares about your podcast or nobody wants to hear what you have to say, but in most cases, that's simply not true. It's more likely that your loyal listeners just haven't found you yet. Your artwork, your titles, your descriptions haven't done enough to catch their eye. Now, I'm not here to sell you on an easy button. There will be some work involved, but the first step is to get another experienced set of eyes on your project. It can be difficult to objectively examine and evaluate your own work. So head over to thepodcastersguild.com and book a podcast audit. From there, we can work together to make sure your loyal listeners are able to find your show and understand why this is the show they've been looking for. Join me at thepodcastersguild.com and we'll get started today. I was just trying to find the ways that other people weren't doing to be able to harness other audiences to get my initial boost of followers. Every time I took a bolder step to put myself out there, I was willing to do even more the next time. The way I was introduced to you is that you were able, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were able to reach a million downloads in your first year? Yes. Podcast Better is for you, the podcaster, or soon-to-be podcaster, who has a business, a cause, or a hobby that you're passionate about. Each week, we'll take a closer look at the mental, physical, and technical skills necessary to produce a quality show that your fans will want to listen to. Thanks for sharing part of your day with me so that we can podcast better together. Welcome, 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 fellow podcaster, to another episode of Podcast Better. Before we get started today, I need to address a technical issue. I did run into some problems while recording this episode. There are a few short sections where the audio cuts in and out, but it only lasts a few seconds, and we fixed the problem by the seven-minute mark of the interview. That's probably about the 10-minute mark of this episode. I'll be addressing exactly what happened and how we work together to make the most out of a bad situation in the next episode. But the content of this episode is so good, I highly recommend that you listen to the entire thing. My guest today, Melissa Monti, managed to eclipse 1 million downloads in the first year of her podcast. She had no existing audience. She had no experience podcasting. There's so much information in this episode, I've listened to it four times myself already. I encourage you to sit back and just soak it all in. I've created a little bit of a cheat sheet, a PDF cheat sheet you can download later with my notes and quotes I pulled from this episode. I'll let you know how you can get your hands on a copy of this PDF at the end of the episode. Now, it's time to discover how Melissa marketed her way to 1 million downloads and how you can follow in her footsteps. So tell me a bit about your past and how you got into podcasting. 
So I launched my podcast December of 2017. And at the time I was working for a startup, I was vice president of the startup and I was just really unhappy. It was one of those things where I was following a lot of what I was good at, but not necessarily what lit me up. So I reached a breaking point, especially given kind of a toxic environment of where I was working. And I started doing all of these purpose finding activities, like the really cheesy ones that I had read through in books, but never actually wrote down. And so at this point, I was like, well, I have to do something different. Maybe I'll actually do these activities that people are telling me might unlock something instead of just thinking because I'm reading them, I'm absorbing them and it's changing me. So I started to really get intentional about what has lit me up in the past, what I'm endlessly curious about, what I am constantly reading just for free. And everything came back to something regarding the power of the mind. And so it might be something about intuition or lucid dreaming or business success, just mindset and how much control we actually have over our lives based on how we think. And so I drilled down that this was my topic. And then I started to ask myself, well, I don't really like writing. I will always find an excuse not to be on video because I put on makeup like once a month. (laughs) And uh, it came back to a podcast. People were always commenting on my voice how I have a unique voice. So I thought, well, I love to talk, especially when no one can interrupt me. So (laughs) I'm going to start a podcast. And so be it. Two days later, I got an announcement in my email that one of my favorite podcasts, which was Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, one of the podcasts I listened to for business ideas, he announced his very first podcasting course. And given the way my mind works, I'm like, well, it's exactly meant to be. And he launched a online version and then also an in-person version for a higher amount. I did not have the money for that at all. I put it all on my credit cards, but I knew when somebody launches something new, they're invested in your success like no other because they want those testimonials. And so I had this in my mind. I was like, I'm going to get to know Pat Flynn. I'm going to launch my podcast and this is going to be great. And so I put everything on a credit card and went to that in-person weekend, set a date to launch my podcast, launch it about a month later. And uh, it's it was all basically uphill in a good way from there. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I, I didn't even know that part of your backstory. So I, I knew you were involved with, with Pat Flynn in some way, but... That that's interesting that you took advantage of that. You were part of that first group of people because I remember when that launched. But yeah, I, I definitely didn't take advantage of that. So I'm glad to see that you did. And it has definitely panned out for you. And that's what we're going to be diving into here to today. I, I think you kind of already answered this, but you specifically chose podcasting over other mediums. Now that you've been at it for actually, how long have you been podcasting? Since December 2017. So it's been a little over three years. Okay. So now that you're three years into this project, do you still feel like that was the right choice? A hundred percent. I think it was the right choice. I find it to be so rewarding because again, I'm a, a lifelong learner. So I'm always reading new books. And this now gives me a reason to reach out to some of these people that I've admired or that have changed my life and they spend an hour with me. And so it feels like this, it feels like I have a thousand different coaches on my team. When I'm struggling with something, I'm like, 
I'm going to do an episode about that. And I find somebody to talk to. And this actually even recently happened. I'm (laughs) nine months pregnant right now. I'm due in five days. And uh, there was a period of time I was having a really difficult time. And I was like, does this prenatal depression? And I ended up finding someone to talk to. And it completely changed the trajectory of my pregnancy in one hour. So it's just, there's so many more benefits than just finding a way to put yourself out there or finding a way to grow your business. Well, congratulations on the baby. Thank you. But you're absolutely right. Like one of the things I love most about podcasting is the ability to network and the ability to connect with people that you would have no reason to otherwise necessarily, or you wouldn't have the platform to, so they wouldn't give you the time of day or anything like that. And I I think that is one of the great benefits. So obviously now you say you have, you feel like you have a thousand coaches for a thousand different things, but prior to starting your podcast, did you have any sort of existing following? Was there anything else that you were doing when like your first episode, you could say, Hey, here's what I'm doing. And you had some people on day one. No, not at all. I had zero audience, zero influence. And actually, if I ever posted on Instagram about what I was actually interested in talking about, usually I'd lose followers because they were from (laughs) high school or whatever. (laughs) So I was starting from scratch completely. However, like I said, I had been watching or listening to Pat Flynn's podcast and other business idea things. And and I had been working in marketing. That's what I did initially in that startup and kind of built my way up. I actually started in social media marketing, ended up doing product design. Uh, I was an eager learner when it comes to internet things. So I had taught myself how to build websites over the years. In 2009, my start in marketing, I won tickets to Ryan Dice's Traffic and Conversion Summit back when it was in Austin. And at the end, they had a Wicked Smart competition. And at the time, I had just kind of dived into internet marketing and learning how to grow things. And I would be in all the black hat forums at that time because 2009, you could still do those things and find little tricks, didn't have any money to put into things. And I ended up winning that contest for some trick that I figured out to do completely free where I was using a grease monkey script on the Firefox browser to find my Facebook friends phone numbers and then use Google voice to mass send text messages. It was really inane. So I was really uh, trying to find innovative ways to do things. But that set up my career, my freelance career for two years because so many people came up to me and talked to me afterwards. So I had been dabbling in internet marketing. But again, I was following the wrong things. Like I was following the things that I thought could make. For example, I launched a site called giftsforteenboys.com because I was like, this domain's expiring. So it already has a history. It has buyer's intent and I can just make a commerce site. After about figured out that I didn't even really like teen boys at that time. So why was I so focused on this? And so I ended up letting that go. So I tried a travel blog, realized quickly that travel was my happy place. It didn't I didn't want to make it work. And so I kept trying these things, just following the wrong influence. And finally, uh, when I got really intentional, like I told you, I did those activities and different books that I had read. One of them was actually Pat Flynn's book, Will It Fly? I did his activities that helped me hone in on what I wanted to do. And once I had it, though, there was this extra level of confidence going in that I didn't have with the other business ventures. And so being that confident, trying to launch something new, there was vulnerability involved, putting myself out there with my Facebook friends for the first time, which I hadn't done with my previous business ventures. But uh, again, I felt a lot more confident doing it. I knew this was a part of me. People who knew me knew this is what I like to talk about. And so because of that, it, it changed my mindset around my own launch and what I was willing to do to make this successful. That that makes sense. 
And so I, I'm wondering then, since you didn't have an audience at launch, I guess two questions here. One, what did you do during your launch to to help you start to gain an audience? And two, how long did it actually take before you saw some sort of traction? So in the beginning, I was launching from zero. And so I had looked into multiple courses and a lot of people said to create this launch party or some sort of event online. So I created a Facebook event. This way I can invite people to it, tell people about it. Looking back, I don't think this did a lot for my numbers, but it did a ton for my mindset. Because again, this was the first time that I was really telling people that I was launching something. And so if I failed, it was going to be public. And so I told everybody about it. And I was a member of WeWork at that time. And I had planned to go there and and print out stuff or talk to as many people as I could, try to get subscribers and reviews just to kind of boost those numbers, even if they weren't my ideal audience. Well, I woke up in the morning and realized there were fires all around LA and the sky was a dark cloud. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, there's going to be less people at WeWork. This is such a bummer. But I got a little innovative, went to the nearest CVS, purchased all of the smoke masks, went to uh, WeWork and then posted on the WeWork network, free smoke masks on floor two. And I just printed out these like makeshift little like cards that said mind love with please leave a review and check out my podcast and like cut them up with scissors. They did not look good at all. And every time somebody came down for a smoke mask, which was a lot of people, I told them about my podcast. I asked to take their phone. I subscribed for them. I taught them how to set up an Apple ID if they didn't have one to leave a review. And I got my first 40 reviews that day. And so again, these people may not have been my ideal audience, but every time I took a bolder step to put myself out there, I was willing to do even more the next time. And so that really helped helped motivate me. But on the other side, I started to figure out, well, how do I find people with my ideal audience? And so I was doing a couple of different things. First of all, I wanted to stay in Pat Flynn's good graces. And so I was constantly updating on my progress, sharing my wins. I knew my high school friends weren't and college friends and whoever was on Facebook weren't necessarily my ideal audience. But I also know that social proof gets people more interested. So instead of sharing, hey, I have a new episode about this, which most people would maybe be annoyed by and mute me eventually, I was saying, got my first thousand downloads today. Wow, mind love is seeing traction here. And so then people are like, wait, what is this? And why do people like it? And people would look at it. I ended up getting a lot of people from my past that reached out that were like, oh, this is great, that maybe wouldn't have looked into it if it weren't for that social proof that I was adding. And then sharing my wins in other podcasting groups. Well, because I realized I was getting a little bit of traction just by sharing that way, I started to find groups of people that were my ideal audience. And I would go add value in there. And instead of just posting a podcast, because nobody likes to have somebody just marketing themselves, I would share some bit of information. And then when somebody would ask a question about it, I would say, you can actually find more information in this episode. So I would also leverage my guests' Facebook groups and post in there. I was finding guests that had an audience that may not have been oversharing like a published author, but finding people that were doing Facebook events because they were trying to get their own business out there. Or maybe they were an admin of a large Facebook group and they weren't often on podcasts. So I was just trying to find the ways that other people weren't doing to be able to harness other audiences to get my initial boost of followers. In that fantastic explanation, I I see a lot of your marketing background in there, I think. (laughs) Everything from, I mean, the the smoke mask thing. And like I said, things weren't perfect, but it worked. Yeah. And I think that's a great lesson to keep in mind. But I mean, then with your 
initial kind of social media push, just everything you tried worked to some extent. And I think it, a lot of times was because you didn't take the traditional path. You didn't follow what everybody else was doing. And that's something I tried to preach over and over is that, yeah, don't just say, hey, I have a new podcast episode. That doesn't work. Nobody wants to see that. But that's the first thing everybody does. <laughs> and I, I love that you took it a, a little bit different way. And I've never considered that, what that does mentally when you say, not just I have a new episode, but hey, I got a thousand downloads. And that actually piques people's interest. Yeah. And and I even went on Reddit and I found a podcasting group that had a lot of people in it. And I wrote there, again, starting with giving value in some way or another, not trying to get something from people. And I posted, hey, I'm feeling generous today because I launched a new podcast and I know how important reviews are. So I'm giving anybody that messages this with their link to their podcast a free review. And so all day long for three days, I responded and wrote a personal review, took a screenshot and shared it back on Reddit. And once I did that, then I said, you know, if you have the time, I would appreciate a review in return, but no pressure. And then I got another probably 50 something reviews. So within my first two to three weeks, I had my first like 150 reviews, which then got more people. I got to post that as social proof. I have 150 reviews in Pat Flynn's group of all of these other people. And they're like, wait, this girl launched two weeks ago with no audience. How did she get this many reviews already? And then they're interested in me. And so finding just ways to pique people's interest was really, really important in the beginning. And it unlocked my brain a little bit to suddenly be more creative in how I was going to grow my show in the future. Absolutely. And I, I, I love to hear those stories. I love to see those results. And it obviously worked for you because th the way I was introduced to you is that you were able, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were able to reach a million downloads in your first year. Yes. And so I did get more creative as time passed. Uh, after the first month, I had about a thousand and a half downloads, maybe 1500 downloads. By the second month, I had 5000 downloads that month. And then I started to get really excited about it. And so I started to ask myself, well, you know, at that time, the way to get featured was to apply to new and noteworthy on Apple podcasts, but they hadn't even updated new and noteworthy at that time in 18 months. So I was like, this is impossible. Well, I thought, what other places are featuring podcasts? And so I downloaded every single third party podcast app that had reviews and looked like it was well used. And I started to look out their user interface. And I was already used to downloading apps. I did product design in apps, app marketing for a long time. And so I liked to check out apps anyways. And because I was into podcasts, I was already listening to podcasts on a different app. And so I looked for the ones that had their own featured sections and then figured out how can I build a relationship with the people that are curating these featured sections. So I found the Facebook groups for these specific apps, made myself really well known in there by sharing tips about podcasting and also my wins, getting noticed by the admins of those specific groups, whether it's a hosting platform like Buzzsprout or whether it's an app like Overcast or CastBox. And so I started to engage with their social media so that I would be a name that, that they knew. Then I began to search LinkedIn for the people that may work in the marketing department or the people that were actually curating the featured sections. Well, I had to think to myself, why 
would somebody feature a brand new show if they don't know anything about me or if it's just another podcast that's launching? And so along with making my name known to whoever their social media people were and the people running their Facebook groups, I also had a 20 episode plan to completely do those episodes differently. Now, mind you, this took me forever. Every time somebody would tell a story, I would make the sound effects immersive. So if somebody was saying they threw the keys on the counter, I would have sound effects of keys being thrown on the counter and like a car revving in the background as they were speeding away. And it took me about eight hours per episode. I was doing this all on my own. But then, well, it ended up, I knew this wasn't sustainable, but I also knew because it was only 20 episodes, I could handle it. And so in these first 20 episodes, I would reach out to whoever I'd get to know on these podcasting platforms and say, hey, I would love to be featured in your featured section, you'll find that my show is completely different than any other in the field of mindset and mindfulness. Listen to this episode at this timestamp. And so they would listen to it. They'd hear that it was completely different. And multiple apps agreed to feature me. I was featured in a playlist on Spotify. Spotify, once uh, Spotify podcast launched, I was featured in Overcast, I was featured in CastBox. And so that was the biggest boost of listenership because I got featured in a lot of different apps at one time. And at the same time, whenever I would go to a podcasting conference, I would make sure to spend a lot of time at those booths that could help me to where I ended up building lasting relationships with a lot of the people in their marketing teams on all of the platforms. That is definitely a lot of work, but Obviously, it's paying off. Once again, I'm, I'm struggling with this a little bit just because it's blowing my mind that it actually worked. <laughs> like, I, I would expect that to be a fantastic plan, but either you didn't follow through with it <laughs> or the, the companies you talked to just didn't buy into what you were selling. But I'm completely wrong on both counts there. So I, congratulations once again. Like, that, that is fantastic. Just taking action and, and making things work for you. So th the, the next biggest question, though, is we're talking about the technology world here and podcasting. It's really hot right now. It's only been like three years since you've done this, but a lot has changed in those three years. Do you think the things you did are replicable or do they have to be modified somewhat or do you just have to find some completely new way to grow your podcast now? I think as weird as this sounds, I think it's all of those things. Marketing's constantly evolving, but the more that you take action right now on what you might think works, maybe it doesn't, maybe it does. And by doing those things, your brain starts to work differently. It reminds me of back in like 2010, I remember I was thinking, I've totally lost my ability to be creative. I was very artistic when I was younger. And so I decided I was going to start redoing furniture. And I was looking on Pinterest and I was like, how do people's brains work this way? And I could not understand it. But I started just copying what other people were doing. And by like the third project, all of a sudden I was figuring out ways to deconstruct a jewelry box to make it into an ottoman and I had no idea how my mind was working this way. Well, the same thing happened when I got into podcast marketing. I had never done a podcast before. I had no idea how I was going to insert myself into this world, but I had my first idea. I did it. Notice what worked, notice what didn't. Then I had another idea. And before I knew it, I was coming up with ideas that if I would have listened to a year before, I would have thought, how does her brain work that way? And so you can't get creative if you don't immerse yourself in creative projects. But if you do, you'll start to realize that your brain is coming up with new ideas that you never really thought you would have. Once again, another fantastic piece of advice out there. 
it, th- th- this is going to be adding a lot of value, not only to the audience here, but to myself. I, I, and you got me thinking already, like, where can I go with this? What can I do with this? And I, I, I can't wait to see what comes out of this episode. So Melissa, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, I, I don't want to cut you off at all, but I guess two final questions we'll, we'll leave this with. One, where are you going now with your podcast? What are you doing? Are you still trying to grow or are you just kind of letting it sit? And then I'll, I'll let you finish up with um, any last pieces of advice you might have for folks that are trying to grow their show right now. Yeah. So after the first year, the first year was really focused on growth because I didn't have a business to amplify at that time. And so a lot of that first year was figuring out what business am I going to create from this? I was able to quit my job. Well, I decided to quit my job about four months in. I wasn't making enough money to replace the income, but I had a tiny bit in savings. And by June, I was getting my first sponsorships. And so I was making a few thousand dollars per month just on sponsorships alone. Well, I needed to make more money. And so I decided to really focus on how I was going to do that. And I started to launch my first course. It was a low ticket course, but I used I used a survey to figure out what my audience actually wanted, which lended to a lot of what I did in the next few years. So I ended up sending out a survey. By the way, you do want to capture those people. It took me about four months to actually launch my email list. But then after that, I I figured out how to get people interested in an email list. I launched what I call the Morning Mind Love, which is a newsletter people want to sign up for because it's not your typical newsletter. It's just daily bits of inspiration, like a little love note from your highest self every single morning on weekdays. So I got a bunch of people that actually wanted that. Uh, so think about how to get people to want what you're trying to give them. <laughs> Don't just say, sign up for my newsletter. Nobody wants another newsletter. So figure out what value you're giving there. I give away freebies when people sign up for the newsletter. I reduce friction when people sign up for the newsletter. And so instead of just saying, go to this obscure website, I say you can sign up at mindlove.com right there on the homepage or text the word morning to 33777. And so it allows them to do it when they're on the go. People are sometimes even curious about that process. So they'll just sign up for that reason. Uh, So I had an email list. I was able to ask them, what's your biggest struggle when it comes to your mindset and figure out what people were asking for. When I did that, I would actually copy and paste the exact phrases that they would use when they were talking about their own struggles and use it back to them in my marketing materials. This made creating landing pages so much easier, creating courses so much easier. So I launched my first course almost exactly a year into the journey. And then that really excelled my income for the next year. I started to figure out how what other streams of revenue I wanted to use or I wanted to create. I created a membership platform. So now people can get extra episodes plus monthly meditations and some other bonuses by signing up for something that's $10 a month or $96 a year. So that's my membership. I use Supercast to create a private feed for that so they can just still get it on their favorite podcast platforms. So that's what I was really focused on the second and the third year was figuring out my additional streams of revenue by harnessing my existing audience. I still did the same things like asking guests to share, uh, sharing about my podcast. So it's still growing, but I wasn't quite as focused. Now that I'm having a baby, I've dialed back on that a little bit. I'm refocusing on growth this year for the next few months while I kind of take a break from being so involved with my audience. And so uh, that's been exciting because it's allowed me to dive back in and see what's what's really changed, how I can harness what's happening now. And it's actually a good thing just because there's a lot more podcasts out there. You also have to consider the fact that there's a lot more podcast listeners out there. Back when I was launching my podcast, the amount of people that I had to help 
help download the podcast app or tell what a podcast was, was a lot of them. Now that's rare. My mom listens to podcasts. And so there is also a greater audience along with more competition. And so I don't really think about my competition. I will harness them. I will find the ones that are like mine and maybe build relationships with them or get involved with their Facebook groups or whatever to kind of see what their audiences are looking for because it gives me ideas. But I don't think of it in terms of competition. And I think the less that you do think of that, you could just think of other people that are building a podcast listenership for you. And it's a lot easier to get people from one podcast to another than to get people into podcasts altogether. So I'm excited to kind of see what this year brings. But even just focusing on growth for the last two months, has been a lot of fun. It's not, I don't really like to think of things as stressful because as you go, you're learning more than just what you think you're learning. You're learning how to appeal to people, how to create a show that really sticks with people. And so one of the things that I focus on a lot is the podcast app algorithm. Because I worked in apps for so long, I got a really intimate understanding of how Apple ranks things. And so it's not just the amount of downloads you get. It's also the frequency of downloads. It's the number of reviews. It's the free frequency of reviews. It's the length of listening time within your audience. And so I like to focus on one at a time and just play in that area. So for example, length of listening time, check out your podcast stats and your hosting platform. Are people dropping off at a certain point? What's different there? Is it based on episode or is this a trend? And so really catching people in that first minute, I will put a teaser of some of the best parts of my podcast in that first minute. I do a really engaging intro instead of just saying, oh, this guest is coming on. I I will start with a question often so it relates to people. So I follow that heroic journey story arc where it's like, what's in it for them? What is at stake if they don't listen to this? What are some teasers from the episode? What will they learn in this episode? All within the first few minutes so that it keeps them in longer. Also, if I'm cutting to a commercial break, I will often tease the question and cut to a commercial break right after I ask a question so they don't get the answer yet. Or I will say there's episodes that I've set, I've also tested out after the commercial, we'll be talking about this or something along those lines. So figure out what works for you. And another tip that works well is saying stay till the end of the episode because I'll be giving you a worksheet based on what we learn here. Or if somebody, the guest says something important, I'll kind of insert, I have a downloadable meditation for this at the end of the episode. Or if you're curious about all of these steps together. I have that at the end of the episode, so stick around till then. So whatever you can do to use those metrics that you know are going to help you and just play with one at a time and it won't be so overwhelming. That's a lot of good advice. Once again, my mind is just reeling again. Uh, There's so many good things and I... I might have to have you back on another episode just so I can dig in a little bit deeper. But I I think this has been a fantastic start, a fantastic overview of your journey to where you where you are now and how you've gotten there. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. So for anyone who wants to follow what you're doing, could give me a quick rundown of where they can find you, what your podcast is. If you want to plug your courses and that type of thing, please go ahead. The mic is yours. Well, my website is mindlove.com. You can also find Mind Love on any of your favorite podcast platforms. That's Mind Love, two words. And if you'd like to wake up inspired every day, uh, you can sign up for the Morning Mind Love It's uh, just a short dose of inspiration, like a little love note from your highest self. And you can sign up for that by 
texting the word morning to 33777, or you can just sign up right on the homepage at mindlove.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining me today, and we'll talk soon. I sincerely hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Melissa is an amazing marketer, and while I think some of it comes naturally to her, I think this quote that she gave us is more important. She said, you can't get creative if you don't immerse yourself in creative projects, but if you do, you'll start to realize that your brain is coming up with new ideas that you'd never really thought you would have, and that, I think, is the big difference. While we are all out here researching and looking for the next big idea or the next easy button, Melissa is going to work and trying new things. Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, but that doesn't stop her from trying. It's a little like I talked about back in episode 64. If you spend all your time studying and gathering information, you're never going to get anything done. You're never going to make any progress. Now, while I do think this episode deserves a second listen, I think it's more important for you right now to take action. Take action while you're motivated. So I'm going to help you out. If you go to podcastbetter.io slash Melissa, that's podcastbetter.io slash Melissa, and enter the password action, you'll find my notes and quotes for this episode. Use these notes to refresh your memory. Then I want you to take immediate action. Do something to provide value and market your podcast. That was a common theme throughout Melissa's journey. Provide value first and good things will follow. Maybe you can replicate one of the things that Melissa did for her show, or maybe it's an original idea you came up with. But either way, go get it done. Remember the smoke mask story. It was planned last minute. The cards she handed out weren't professionally printed or professionally cut, but the activity still yielded massive results because she was providing value to others and she kept moving forward. So after you've completed your activity of choice, if you feel comfortable sharing, come find me on social media and let me know what you did. I can't wait to hear from you. We'll talk soon. If you're starting a podcast soon, you're going to need a podcast hosting company. For that, there's only one company I recommend, Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout has a clean, user-friendly interface. Their system is set up to walk you through every step of the process you need to set up your podcast. But if you ever get stuck, I'm more than happy to help you out. Buzzsprout also has the best customer service I've ever experienced. So even if I'm unable to help, rest assured that your problem will be handled. You can try Buzzsprout free for 90 days to see what it's all about by using my affiliate link. Just go to thepodcastersguild.com slash buzzsprout. That's thepodcastersguild.com slash buzzsprout. If you use that link and choose to upgrade to a paid plan, Buzzsprout will even send you a $20 Amazon gift card after your second paid month. It's a win for everybody. Let me know if you have any questions, but head on over to thepodcastersguild.com slash buzzsprout today, and I can't wait to see what you create.